Hello everybody, once again, this is Out of Character with Jupiter Sanders, and tonight we're going to talk about romance at the table, which sounds good, but I think is fraught with more issues than benefits, and I have Cookie with me from our uh, podcast, just wrapped up, Call of Cthulhu, is the wonderful Sergeant Hammer in the Aliens game currently. Hello, Cookie. Hi. And I have Oz who is the HR Geiger counter for our Aliens game. Hi, hello. And it's Private Hammer. Oh, is it Private Hammer? What did I say? Sergeant. Sergeant. Well, you know, he's doing so well. I think maybe we should promote him. I agree Uh, with that. (laughs) You know, when you find the major and and bring it up with him. There you go. All right. I'll see you get a sergeant after this, okay? You're doing way better than that Stanley guy. But anybody can go do better than that Stanley guy. So romance at the table. So let's jump into what I think is most common that we, well, is it the most common? Would you say character to character is the most common or would you say player to player? I would say player to player. Yeah, I think player to player too. Let's jump in with the most common then. Let's go player to player. Cookie, have you been in a game with your husband? I have. What's that like? I mean, I think he's fun, but sometimes it can get awkward. Yeah. Does it change how you play and how you make decisions at the table? Um, Maybe a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like if I give him an opening, he'll maybe just like jump through it. You know, not really. We're not a real like PDA type of couple, but he'll, if I set the table for the right inappropriate joke or something he'll just barrel right through okay (laughs) so when i was married my husband and i we we had a face-to-face table a group and so i would be in a position where i had to play as a player at the table and i was also in a position as the gm where you're gming the table and he is a player within the table i've also played with two other couples at that table and Looking at how they play and how I tried to make sure I played when I was a player or the GM, I tried to be mindful of things and and treat things on the up and up. But I saw other people. So you get these couples at a table. And in my instance, uh, the, the husband was a white knight, like totally a white knight. And he would meta the game hard. To make sure his pl- his character was with his wife's character in everything. He was there to protect her. He was there to handle things. He was there to rise to her defense if anything came at her. Even if it was another character that just didn't like something she did, he was there. And he finagled through metagaming to be there and to create that alliance, that block. Cookie, does... Does your husband, do you and your husband kind of uh, do that? Do your characters stay together since you're together in the real world? Obviously, you must then be together together in the in the fantasy world. Absolutely not. No, we definitely, I think, do what's best for our own individual characters and play mm-hmm. the game for our own specific reasons, if that makes sense. No, it does. It, it That's how I... I, I, when I, a player to player, my husband's at the table, his character is his character, my character is my character. We may be together in the real world, but that doesn't, that mean shit all to me in the fantasy world. Like, doesn't matter. I, I don't know who you are. But I do feel it, it creates this weird dynamic at the table. Oz, have you ever GM'd for a couple at a table? GM'd for a couple? Let me think. Like, n- nothing comes immediately to mind, but. No, I don't. I don't think I ever have. Hmm. And like a lot of the GMing that I did was a lot of one shot stuff. So if there was a a couple on the table, I wouldn't necessarily know about it. Okay. So if you were, have you ever played at a table where it was a couple? Oh God, yes. And what's that like? Do Do you feel as a player like you're now you're? Do you feel that there's this united front when it's a, another couple at a table? Oh, it's it's not so much I feel like there's like a united front, but the time that immediately jumps to mind when I did this, I was this uh, was the reason they broke up. Oh, uh, what? <laughs> yeah. 
so this was a a D and D game, fourth edition. It was before fifth edition came out, so that that should date me here. And we were doing a a journey through the center of the mind. Now I had recently come to where I'm living now, and I got to join this game because it was a friend of ours, a neighbor lived two doors down from, and. So I'm coming in as a, a unknown to a set uh, a, a set group in their in their ways, and so we're going through one of the characters' minds, and the uh, the player's boyfriend was being extremely domineering, extremely controlling, like making sure everything was was handled with kid gloves and ensuring that none of us had anything to do. And we reached a point where, you know, we're going through a hallway and there's all these doors and he's out thiefing the thief in disarming traps and opening doors and everything. We hit this this door that is uh, rotted and, and falling apart and he was distracted. So I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah, I kicked the door in. And so the top half of the door like gets kicked away. This dude flies into a rage and then in character his wizard kicks me into the room and then tries to bar the door because there's there's an evil creature in there and so like he's just going on this this just furious rage bender and i just hold my hands like yeah all right i get it i'm an asshole and she gets up the uh the other player who's whose character we were uh in the mind of she gets up says can i talk to you in the back and they go in the back and that was the last night he played. He left the game. They broke up that night. So that's my experience. Wow. So Psychotron kind of points out if they're both gamers and they aren't in the honeymoon phase, usually it's not too bad. Well, let me tell you. I played with a couple who had been married for, I'm going to say, about, at this time, about four years. Which I will say is the honeymoon phase is over. When they played a game, they would butt heads. Now, instead of being a united front, they fought for power. It was a power struggle between the two. And this got to the point where when I was the GM for this, this particular game, this spilled over into the real world to where these two would have actual like heated discussions about player about character choices made in the previous game and about what to do in the next session. I think that goes too far. A little bit, yeah. A little bit, just a little bit that if you're getting that heated about a game, something's wrong. But there was a real battle of wills. They did not like they were not always united on a like they didn't change the dy- dynamic of a table as they were united and you know block votes they would you know have majority but it was more of a you have to choose who you're with for the table so it it did kind of polarize the group in certain situations which as a gm is is kind of difficult to kind of make sure you have that group cohesion when you have two players who are trying to assert dominance at a table they also happen to be a couple and you you're like you don't want to do anything that spills over into the real world but you can actually see it affecting their day to day how do you, how do you control that what do you do as a G, i know what i did as a gm but what would you do as a gm to stop that that's like a heavy question i don't know right? if you can because yeah yeah try being it try living it cookie you talk yeah. about heavy okay <laughs> But what would you do? What what do, what do you think is the best thing, the best course of action for that situation? I don't know. I'm kind of avoidance personally. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> if I pretend it's not there, it'll just go away on its own? Or like a redirect, you know, like with a puppy mm-hmm. or a really bad child, you know, yeah. like a look over here. Don't look at that man behind the curtain. Hmm. Oz, what would you do? I'm I'm going to take a page from the book of Bamps and say mm. that they need to be sat down at the table out of out of game be like all right look this has got to stop now that's somebody else in the game something's going to come up all of a sudden availability is an issue reliability is an issue and people just like oh something's come up I can't I can't go to game this week mm-hmm. 
and more and more people start doing it in series and then the gm throws up his hands and says all right well i i guess this campaign is a wash and then you might mm -hmm. have them reform without okay. the problem folks so as uh, right as the gm in this situation i did i did a bit of a combo i i did talk to each one separately and alone hey what's going on i'm seeing some weird actions at the table and spilling over into the real world what, what why is this going on and they both assured me that none of the things i saw were actually happening everything's fine they're just playing the game so then my next step was we're wrapping up the campaign and this gm needs a break <laughs> that's it like i'm out i'm out i can't do it well, we did like three more sessions. I wrapped up the campaign. Everybody had their nice ride off into the sunset. They were happy. And I was out of the GMC because I was like, I can't. If if they're not seeing what I'm seeing, that's a bigger that's a bigger issue. Let's just yeah. wrap this up. Let's just call it a day. We're done. Yeah. Yeah. When you have the people like you're trying like, what's going on? You see this and they tell you that you're not seeing. That's not at all what's happening. I think as a GM, you got to. You gotta really like sit back and go, okay, am I just reading things into it then? I don't know. The other instance of my my white knight that constantly has to make sure his his wife at the table, who's fragile, she had a bad experience and uh, she had a bad experience a few years ago, so she doesn't really like to game, but she really wants to play in our group because she hangs out with us when we play and she really thinks it sounds fun. So, okay, great, she could play, we're cool, whatever. But then the whole time it's him like directing her, you can do this, you do this. And then, oh, you want to do this? Great. I'll make it so everybody else wants to do that too. And it's like, that's not fun for everybody at the table. I do think as a GM, yes, that is a conversation for a zero session when you have couples at the table to make sure they can leave a couple things outside of the, the actual game and to focus on things in the game. I don't quite know how to tell a player when they're being a little too, I don't want to say domineering because he wasn't doing it in a negative way. It was in a, I want to help her way, but it was like, does she need that much help? Can you just let her do it first? And then if she needs and ask for help, help her. I mean, it just was a little off putting how much he was like, had his hand in it, but it is a conversation for the GM. I don't know if it actually made other players uncomfortable cookie have you ever been at a table with couples and gotten uncomfortable with something that was happening yes i have and what'd you do just again the ostrich method of i'm just not even gonna look at it it's okay uh yeah i'm you know hmm. just try and do the redirect and then i did have a conversation with the woman um, oh. later and just told her why uh mm -hmm. it made me uncomfortable and she, you know, is a good listener and definitely did a good brush off, you know, like to make excuses for mm -hmm. those actions. But, you know, it's better, you know, but we don't, haven't played, you know, together in real life anyway, since before mm -hmm. the Rona. So there's that. Yeah. <laughs> Can I ask, what was it they did that made you uncomfortable? You don't have to say any names and I doubt they listen to this podcast. <laughs> so I, like I said, me and Mikey, we aren't like a real PDA type of a couple situation. And I also don't like making that kind of a topic in mm -hmm. game either. But he took what I would consider to be like bedroom stuff and, you know, wanted to make it conversation somehow in game. Okay, if that makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. It's gross, and I don't like it's it. It's <laughs> super gross. When you have a couple that you start to see, like, they're at the table playing a game with you, but this may be a role-playing game in a different sense for them. Ew, yes. Yeah. <laughs> now do things oh. and experiment, and you get to see some kinks coming through, and you're like, no. No. What's worse, though, the worst Way worse than a couple doing that is when you have two players who are not associated at all, and the one player starts doing that with another player character and like trying to force that kind of conversation and that scenario to happen when like there's really no rhyme or reason to it. That's the unwanted romance at the table, which I think several, I, I think, I think we've all seen that. We've either 
seen it at a table or we have, you know, a friend who was at a table that had that happen. That is a very common occurrence at a table is the unwanted romance that uh, character to character sometimes happens. Uh, Oz, do you agree that that's a common? Yeah, it is. It is a source of many a horror story. Yes. 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 But uh, we all know that's a bad thing. And we all know that's definitely a, hey, dude, stop conversation. But it's a little tougher when it's a couple at a table because you're like, I have to tell two people that they're making everybody super uncomfortable. And Sakara loves to say zero session, zero session. I have been at many a zero session where the couple's like, no, 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 we're not going to do that. No, 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 we're not going to do that. No, totally. No, I get it. Totally fade to black. And then next thing you know, you're five sessions in and bam, they're describing some pretty lurid things. And you are sitting there like, what just happened? I think a lot of people go through a zero session and interpret things and answers differently. When that player said, no, I'm not going to do anything weird to him. What he was going to do isn't weird to everybody else. It is. I think a zero session is difficult to do to where everybody has the same understanding, but back to romance at the table. What do you do as a GM then when you end up with the table, like my table had three couples. The third one being me as the GM and my husband in the in the table. Three couples at a table. That's that's a very complex dynamic at the table. And any little thing can shift it. You know, if you have two couples that are agree and want something done, they can really influence the entire party. If that couple, you know, ends up influencing another couple, now that's an even bigger alliance that really pushes the the table a certain way probably the way that one couple wants to go. And then to be honest, the dominant person in that couple's actual grand plan is what's being pushed. Their agenda is what's being pushed. I think as a GM, it is hard to, it's hard to stop that train once it gets going. What do you think, Oz? Is it hard to stop that train? Or is it easy as just, hey, I don't like where this is going. Let's, you know, pull back the, I mean, what do you think? So. Like I said, I haven't been a GM to to a lot of couples, if any. Mm-hmm. But my particular GM style is if you're going to try and control something to go in this direction, then I, as GM, am going to throw a monkey wrench in that if I don't agree with it. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's as easy as letting them go fight amongst themselves or just they want to make a cockamamie plan. I see. Okay, great. Both of you are on this. Fantastic. What that, uh, you know, tell me what you're doing and I'm going to let the natural consequences of the world respond. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then, then I could just point at the table and say, Hey, them's the breaks. That's what the dice say. And I don't care if you're a couple or not, but in the end, I guess if they don't, like with any player, if they don't like the way that, that that is going, if it's not going in the way that they want, they can either deal with it or there's the door. And mm-hmm. if I lose two players instead of one, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because if you anger one, you may anger another. And the next thing you know, your your entire game just crumbles like a, a house of cards. Because it's, it's now, like I said, this united front, this block. Better no game than a bad game. Exactly. Exactly. Back to when the GM of a game has their significant other at the table as a player. I have also seen this and it's cringy. Like it doesn't bug me like whatever. It's just super cringy. And so I really make sure I don't do it myself. It's when the GM showers favor on their significant other on their PC. Like every cockamamie plan they have always works out. They get the the biggest rewards all the NPCs just love them and find them charming and attractive and wonderful, a delight while the rest of you are just, you know, commoners. I've seen this, this weird overindulgence of their significant other and the rest of the table is just kind of given crumbs. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that at a table. Nah, not yet. Not with the people I play with. <laughs> so now you've been in a table game with Bamps. Yes. Has his significant other, the Sue's, been at, at that table? Oh, yeah. 
And does he do this? Does he kind of give a little more attention, a little more her way than anyone else? Or is he 100% neutral, everybody gets the same? Which I assume is just a backhand across the face because that's BAMS. But right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I would say he treats everybody the same. Uh, I have really no horror stories. The only thing I can think of is one time she got her animal companion and another person at the table was sad because she didn't have one. <laughs> but like her, her character didn't mm -hmm. you know it wasn't like a thing for the character that she had created but that's it okay you know he's just generally pretty even and terrible to all of us <laughs> i'm super jealous of cookies uh gaming experiences oz no she's right no bad ones like everything has just been a smooth cakewalk and she's this great role player and has never been tainted by the horrors and yeah i she wouldn't have lasted in that pathfinder game that i had <laughs> that's not to say that like it's 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 a whole thing i think we could probably do like six out of character episodes on that damn that damn campaign on that <laughs> and, and actually it's funny because part of that actually has bearing on this interview topic where it's character and character and it's that whole unwanted oh how so uh so this this campaign We'll call it the Unseely Food Court for reasons, oh, but yes. also because Unseely I think it's really funny. Court. The GM in particular had it's just almost this incessant need to make sure that every character was hooked up with an NPC. And so, like, my paladin apparently has a nymph ex-girlfriend, and they're all nymphs. It's it's convoluted. I, I told you this six six sessions. So I, I have this NPC girlfriend forced on me, and then one of the other players basically like failed a uh, a persuasion role, and then was, gosh, they were they were basically forced into a relationship based on a failed role. It was absolutely like it's so bad. Even Leland is screaming about it. It's that bad. I think Leland is saying it wasn't that bad. You're just a baby. Uh, possibly, but <laughs> but yeah, it was it was like it it got really really creepy because the, mm -hmm. the DM was just so insistent on it. Yes, and there really wasn't any reason for it. I was a lucky audience member for some of those games. I got to hear them, and it was incredibly cringy. Of course, the idea of when you listen to this game for everyone else listening to this, when you listen to this Unseelie Food Court game, you listen to Oz, who had to deal with this in-game, but you got to laugh your ass off and drink as much booze as you wanted just so you could enjoy the horror that was happening. Yeah, and this, thank God. This, this there were many nights I passed yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> like if, if people ever ask how I play crazy so well, it's because that entire <laughs> Pathfinder game was a slow descent into madness, and all I got to do is channel it. Oh. There were some nights he was so angry. We will have to do an episode where you just literally, you have to just tell, tell this. I don't care how long it takes. We've got to get the story out because it was, it was one of those things that I looked, it was a Friday night game. I looked forward to it every Friday night. I sat in front of my computer. I had my drinks fixed. I was ready to, I was, I was ready to tune in to this game because it was so horrible. And I felt bad that, you know, I derived my pleasure by watching Oz suffer, but I don't think that's anything new it. to him. Yeah, it's not. So, <laughs> it's not new, right? Okay. But we digress. Yes, we'll do this. Yeah, we digress. A, you were put into a situation. Yeah, you were put into a situation. Your character had an unwanted NPC to character romance forced on him, huh? and as much as you resisted, like you were trying to, like trying to hint in game to the GM, I don't want this. And the more you resisted, the more he pushed it. Yes, and he did that to me and to the one other character, the one other player who had a problem with it. Do you think he did that for his story, or do you think he did it because he'd like to exert that control? Uh, I'm going to say the first one. Okay. He had GM had a very particular idea of how he wanted this whole thing to go, and... You know how, how you kind of said, it's like, okay, you see some of the kinks coming out? 
definitely tell what his mm-hmm. game was. Yeah, and, well, I mean, he had a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this this was okay. You know, characters had relationships forced on them. They're all nymphs. Okay, okay. There's a weird pair of sisters over there. Okay, they're doing things. They're both NPCs. They're doing things with each other. Why are you going into detail on this? I'm already uncomfortable. <laughs> I would have noped right on out of there. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is why we're jealous of you, Cookie. You don't. You have not had to deal with the kind of things that we have seen in games. Horrible things. So the closest I've had to a weird, I don't think it was a forced relationship, more that it was just this player thought this thing was funny. It was a new table. I only knew one person at this table. So I broke my rule because I knew this person. I said, surely nothing's going to go wrong. Broke my rule and I played a female character. This other player, it was, uh, it was Savage Worlds Interface Zero. This other player was going to play this smarmy executive who called every chick he saw baby. Oh no, I remember this story. <laughs> he called me baby once. And I was playing an iteration of Micah. If you don't know Burning Edge. You don't know Micah. I was playing an iteration in Savage Worlds Interface Zero of Micah, and I had told him, you do it one more time, I'll make you hurt yourself. (laughs) Don't do it again. Just don't. And that was an in-character way of telling that player, don't do that. And I, I think he caught the message because he never did it to me again. There was another player, a male player playing a female character, who he continually called baby. Every time I did it, I cringed, but I was happy that he never did it to me again. Good. Now, is it because I voiced my opinion in character? Is it because I was a woman who said, hey, stop? I mean, because I know the male, the male player playing a female character didn't like it either. But I don't remember if he ever spoke up. Knowing the player, I'm surprised if he didn't. I do remember him telling me the story. Mm-hmm. and. I think he just found it eye-rolly. He he wasn't he, as cringy, cringed he, out by it like I was. Yeah, I think his yeah. his threshold was a little bit higher than yours. Now, I would have much rather had him also do the same thing that you mm-hmm. did, because I think it's fucking hilarious, and I love Micah. Mm-hmm. And wow. and She's more Micah-isms are, are always uh, desired. Mm-hmm. So as a player, if you have a GM who is forcing NPC romance on you, it is really a, you have to like nip it in the bud. Like first, like the first time it rears its ugly head, you have to nip it in the bud. You have to say something, either in character or out of character. You have to say something right then. Because if you let it go once, they firmly believe it's okay. Do you agree or disagree? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it is one of those things that I feel uncomfortable by this. I have to say something. Don't run away from it and go, oh, I don't want to make a big deal. No, you have to say something right then and there. Because if you let it happen once, in their mind, you've consented to have this happen anytime. And I think that's good advice in general, period. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Say it louder for the people in the back. (laughs) Do not do an ostrich method. (laughs) Do not hope it goes away. If somebody does something at the table that makes you uncomfortable, you must speak up right then and there, even if it's just a, a mess, a private message to the, that player, a private message to the GM. You have to let somebody know, hey, I don't like this. I don't like how it, it makes me. It, I feel uncomfortable. I think we're at a can we not do this? And if they don't back off, then no game better than bad game. Yep. Yep. What if, we kind of touched on character to character. Have you guys ever had character-to-character romance in in a game? I know I have. Mary Sue had. That was fantastic. Yes. And that was not, like, discussed. It was was a thing, you know, Bam says, hey, you know, do you want to, like, you know, would you be adverse? And I was like, eh. And I didn't know when it was happening, and it just kind of happened, and it went, we went with it. I didn't realize what it was going to end up, but I did ask for Mary Sue to be beaten down. But have you guys had, like, as part of the storyline, as part of the character arc, a romance? Yes. Okay. With another character, player character, or with an NPC discussed, you know, in, in working with the GM? Uh, so 
once with uh, an NPC working in in concert with the GM. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really like it was. It was just kind of a thing that happened in the background as part of the time skip that we did between like going on epic adventures and then everybody splitting out to do the the things that they actually set out to do after we solved all of the problems. But just basically a um, a chieftain's daughter that uh, they they rolled through the tribal highlands one day and uh, he managed to my character managed to charm her and then you know the next day that he was gone and then a couple months later he gets the message like hey by the way and he's like oh shit so then during the time skip they relocated to a new a new village that was being built because he was the village chieftain and Mm -hmm. they were had a kid and started uh teaching him the way of, of his people. That that did suit that character, though. It did. It did. It, it suited suit that it character a lot. But I, wa- I want to ask, because, and you can be very honest, do you think it was handled well? Like, we didn't get into a lot of detail. It went to a lot of fade to black. It wasn't like there were some, like, full-on descriptions. It was just, yeah, you charm her, you get to spend the night, you wake up the next day, you're gone. And and I think it was handled really well. I think it would have been uncomfortable for everybody at the table if we'd had gone any further because we, you know, it happened. It made sense for the character. Mm-hmm. We as players had a good laugh about it, mm-hmm. and then we moved on. We didn't we didn't make it a central focus. And the only time that anything like that became the central focus is when another character was uh, hitting it off with a with an NPC in a place that this NPC absolutely should not have been at. And when we questioned him, he's like, no, she seemed pretty neat. And then we realized it's the, <laughs> the big bad evil guy that we've been sent to kill. And we're like, oh, well, yeah, she looks hot now, but she's a red dragon. And <laughs> dragon war. And like that kind of makes sense. Yeah, but I'm really sorry. I need to murk your girlfriend now. Yes, that was adorable. Oh, I forgot about our little wizard lizard who had a little tiefling girlfriend and didn't realize that it was the big bad. Oh, that was good too. Wow. Now that uh, you're saying this, I feel like I'm that GM that forces romance on players. I don't think that was forced at all. <laughs> I think, I think, I think the lizard wizard desperately wanted that. Yes. Yes. And <laughs> probably saw a little bit more than uh, was there. Yeah, it was really, I, I think what I do as a GM is I'll put that NPC out there and I'll, I'll kind of dress it up in and kind of put it in that tone of, you can if you want to, here it is. But if you decide not to, that's fine. I just go, here it is. And if you decide to take, partake of it, then that's on you. I just, I just, I just set the table. But I, I think I read my players well enough to know when I could do that but the lizard wizard threw me like a left like a left like what i learned from that is don't put a sexy tiefling picture on your roll 20 table because then they're just gonna want to bang it the jangliest of keys <laughs> the jangliest of keys is sexy tiefling art from D. <laughs> uh, and i i thought i picked like well she looks really evil no no she did not not evil enough Sexy. What can I say? <laughs> so when does it go right? When does it make sense? Like when do you what are the good the benefits when you have players I, I players that are together as a couple or characters that are together as a couple or NPC characters or what are the benefits of doing that? Well, I'm I'm trying to think. I've really honestly can't think of a reason why they would need to be in a you know fictitious relationship with one another in game you know well not with each other but like i mean you were in a relationship as cookie in call of cthulhu yeah my ghost boyfriend and that worked perfectly for the story Mm -hmm. i think that we were trying to tell so the benefit to that was when it was done well, it wasn't cringy. I don't think it was cringy. It didn't make you ever feel uncomfortable, did it? I think we were, no. you know, PG-13, if not G. 
Yeah, that's kind of the level that I <laughs> like. That was the level you like, yeah. yeah. You know, until we got to the abusive side. And even then, that's when we really pushed that PG-13. But I think it it benefited the, it benefited Cookie's, Charlotte's story, right? It added another dimension. It wasn't just Charlotte's just this government agent that goes and investigates things. We also saw Charlotte was dealing with other things. Charlotte was alone. She looked like a single woman who was alone, but we all knew she felt loved and she was happy. So I think for the character arc, it did help kind of show the audience a different side to Charlotte. I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, I think the, the story and the character development is its own reward. This was way back in the day, but this was this was it wasn't even tabletop. It was uh, message board role play. And like two of the characters ended up falling for each other. And it made sense because, you know, one was was a knight protector, basically just in it trying to save everybody he could. And, you know, the sorceress just fell in love with them. And then he realized that you know he felt the same way. But, yeah, it, like Sakara says, this happens a lot in text RP. It is a it, it's a natural conclusion, I think, when you've got two characters who are pouring their hearts out. Eventually, they're going to find that. That, that mutual attraction, I think. Now, I don't think I've ever been at a table in a game as a player to where I develop feelings for or a relationship with another character. NPC, yes. And to me, I feel safer and more comfortable with that because it's the NPC and I trust my GM. It's awkward when you, know, you think of your GM as like a brother and you're doing these weird conversations, but it's okay. I don't think I could ever like add like another character at a table. I don't think I could engage in that. I wonder if that's something that cuts me off as a as a role player. If I if I shut that avenue down, does that limit me in character development? I I mean limiting in the sense that it's an avenue that's closed off. There's still a million other ways that we can advance a character. It's just if if we are not comfortable as players sending the character in that direction, then it doesn't hurt them. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it, it means that we're not going to lose interest in that character when we're faced with that discomfort and we have to go through it. Because there, there comes a point where you just want to disassociate from the character because it's going through a bunch of stuff that you really don't want to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... I don't know if it's I don't want to deal with it. I, and it's not like it's like I'm not adult enough to do that. It's it's more of the I don't see a need or a reason to do that with another PC. I don't know. I don't I can't really explain it. It's just an NPC fine, but I don't see a need or a reason to have my character develop feelings for and get into a relationship with another PC. I don't know. I, I guess it's maybe it's too, maybe it feels too intimate. An NPC I know is fake and therefore it's fine. But like if that, that character is played by a real person and it feels, it, maybe it just feels weird, that extra, I don't know, that weird layer there. But I don't think I would be comfortable doing that. Now, Cookie, you played opposite Ash, another NPC player kind of a thing. Did you yeah. ever feel weirded out? Like, what am I doing? No, Why am I doing this? Because we kind of designed it mm-hmm. and created his character. So it was almost like not really playing with another NPC because there was no, or not really playing with another player character Mm -hmm. so much because it was something that we had created and kind of. So it was more of like a hybrid. It was a, it was an NPC who had voice. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cause it would have been super awkward to play it opposite me. Believe me. I have no game. (laughs) I find that hard (laughs) to believe. (laughs) I could be meaner than Ash. Believe me. I could have put you in your place, but I have no game. So. But back to the question of what are the benefits? I do think it can help show another layer to a character. I think for couples at a table, I think it does kind of show how they can relate to each other in a different way. 
you know, like, all right, we have these characters, they're in this different world, they don't have the same issues that we're dealing with in this real world. We can relate to each other in a different way without all the real world weight that we deal with on the daily. We can escape and we can relate in a new way. Uh, you know, we can problem solve together, we can team build, all of this stuff, but we can do it in a different way. And I think that could help their communication as a whole. Yeah, no, maybe. Pickle? Yeah, you know, I, I do, I do kind of see that, yeah. It never worked for me when I played with my husband. Uh, it was as if I, I didn't know who the hell he was. Like, my character rarely ever interacted with him, which, in hindsight, might be telling. I learned so much about myself as I do these recordings, and it's... I just realized I'm a terrible person. Uh, <laughs> That's not true at all. I, I don't think it was game. you that was the terrible person. <laughs> just a terrible person. Um, I'm not saying that it's romance at the table isn't bad. It can do a lot of good things. And it's a natural part of life. And in our role-playing games, we're mimicking life in a different setting, but it's still the same. Still life. and you know, romance, sex, all of that is a part of life, of, of integral part of life. And so it makes sense to do it. So I don't think people should shy away from it. But I do think it needs to be handled very, very well with a lot of communication, a lot of discussion before doing it to make sure everybody's on the same page. Because I think if you don't do that and you have a character that, you know, starts a relationship with another character, that's all well and good. But next thing you know, the player may go, oh, well, that player must also want to be in a relationship with me. And that's when it goes off the rails. Absolutely. <laughs> off that the would rails. be a big fear. <laughs> no, thank you. Is, I is, think that's a big fear for everyone. It is. Because it, you don't know what message you're sending. You don't know how they're interpreting what you're doing. Because you're just talking character to character. But next thing you know, they're saying, oh. You must really like me. You must want to be. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm just playing a game. Right. Yeah. But it, so I think it's, and I hate to sound awful about it, but, but I think women, when they're at a table where they aren't 100% comfortable and like, like know everybody and like have played with them for a long time and really, really feel good with them, would they be willing to do that? If you're a new person, at a table, I don't suggest your first time at that table, you start trying to do a relationship with another character, unless that's really where you want to go. I think you need to really build a lot of trust with that group before you do something like this so it doesn't go horribly bad. And yes, as Sakara says, definitely, 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 it's always an adult conversation. But sometimes people don't know how to have adult conversations. So it's like, yeah, imagine being an adult <laughs> about this. I mean, I wouldn't even say be 100% sure. I think you need to be 150% sure. Because it's it's going to feel awkward no matter what you do. Especially yeah. when it's you know a girl at the table trying to do this with a guy. It's 99 times out of 100. It's going to translate to oh she must be interested in me because she's interested in my character mm -hmm. and then the whole dynamic just goes out the window yes well I, uh, but then let's look at the the flip side of that of you know girl comes into a table plays a female character and just knows all i have to do is flirt with the other characters and they're i, I can now control the table i'm sure there are some that use their power for evil to try to control the table and they do these weird little flirty things just to kind of it's unexpected i think for some players when somebody is very like forward especially when a, a woman at the table with her female character is very forward at the table it puts everybody on their heels and then when she gets them to engage it's you know it if it works like she's she's got the table and and now you have one person who's a driving force that can steamroll a table. I've seen a table get steamrolled in other ways. It's not oh, pretty. I've seen a table get steamrolled in precisely that way. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Let's hear it. Oh God. All right. So brush <laughs> it up. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is. Uh, th these are my formative years of role mm. play. So, the player in question 
was extremely forward. And she was like this across. I mean, she she DM games. She played in games. I DM games for her, vice versa. We both played in the same game, all of it. And um, she was very forward in using those those wiles, essentially, in order to dominate the GM, whoever they may be. Mm-hmm. And when she didn't get her way, it was a, I mean, it was a nuclear level explosion when she couldn't get her way. And I cannot count the number of games that failed because of that dynamic. Now, that's where, you know, I end up being half of that horror story because she was in a relationship with with me as characters go or as DM to player both ways. So that was always there. And yeah, it was awkward as hell for everyone involved. And it went poorly more often than not because somebody else would try and get involved and the both of us would just double up on them. So it was, it, it basically, it showed me that that is something that I don't ever want to push on anyone. And if, if both parties are in agreement, like with an NPC, like, like what happened with Ignil, Mm-hmm. That's perfectly fine. I know that there's nothing that was meant by that. It was strictly in game. Like if it's strictly for the story, that's great. But you know, she was a girl at the table. I was a guy at the table. She started flirting with me. I'm like, oh, she must like me. Turns out she did, but not that much. And I mean, it. I was a better role player and a better player in general after mm-hmm. I extricated myself from that whole thing but not because of it mm-hmm. or during it, I should say. Interesting. But this is also 20 years ago, literally. So. <laughs> and, and yes, Sakara points out that that guys can do this too. It's just done a little differently. Absolutely. I'm not saying that women have, uh, have the monopoly on manipulation. I, I, I definitely, definitely am aware of that. Uh, <laughs> but I think it is, it, it can be a good thing. It's just something very, it's delicate, just like it is in real life, right? Romance and intimacy is very delicate in real life. It's just as delicate, if not maybe a little bit more in the in the RPG world. Because, you know, in the real world, you just, you know, lose a relationship. In the RPG world, you lose a game. <laughs> that was a joke. You were supposed to laugh. Uh-oh. Sorry, crickets. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I was lighting up, but I can't hear him. So, nope, he's dead. That's because my go. mic was muted and I was on push to talk. <laughs> That's okay. So the editor the record, will edit I, out the joke. Yeah, for the record, I did laugh. So, if, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, if the editor can go ahead and throw the laugh track in there, I'd be eternally grateful. <laughs> laugh track in there. You guys have any other points about this that you think we haven't talked about or that are important to note or advice to any players that are, you know, playing with their significant others or trying to do a relationship in character. Don't force it. Don't force it. Good one. And just generally be aware of, Mm -hmm. you know, if you are making someone uncomfortable, try and change that. Be a nicer person. Read the room. Know your audience. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I think every one of these out of character episodes can end with just read the fucking room, guys. Come on. <laughs> Don't boil my uh, my podcast down to um, one sentence, because then I just have to release that every other week. Here's out of character once again this week to remind you. Read the room. <laughs> there you go. Next year's episodes all done, guys. <laughs> We're done. That was tough. It was tough. <laughs> so Psychotron says watch for the cringe, which in an online game when you aren't face to face is tougher to spot, but you can spot it. It's those long pauses, like when you tell a joke and no one laughs. It's that kind of thing. My, my, my <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> and uh, Zakara says definitely communication, super important. Make sure the people at the table and the GM have this conversation and you discuss it. Some people say it's a little different because it kind of takes you out of the game, out of the moment. If you're going, wait, stop, let's talk about it first. 
but it's still an important conversation to have or something to set up in that zero session of, hey, what about romance? What are we going to do with that? Nobody can predict where their character route is going to go and if they will end up in some kind of a romantic entanglement, but you can at least have the conversation go, how do we feel about it if it does happen? And then um, can't think of anything else. And I have enjoyed my time with you two. You both have, have been great, even though you guys, you know, didn't really want to do this. I was I was concerned I was not going to be a, a good guest. And once again, I have exceeded my lofty expectations. Yeah, you've had a lot of experience with this that you didn't. Even, you've been the subject in game of character uh, of character romance. And you're sitting like, I don't have any experience with this. You just told yeah, us so about four different instances. Let's let's do an out of character episode on repressed memories. <laughs> Well, I mean, you did remind me that I'm the GM that forces romance on onto players. So, <laughs> you I told you, you jangled the keys. I jangled it out there. Yeah, the, I just just ex- expect it to happen again with Oliver Honeybun. <gasps> oh, what can I put in front of Oliver? Anything. Anything. Oliver. Right, but I have to give her a. I have to give her some kind of a pastry name. You'll mm. have to work on that. Yeah, I need, to, okay. I need to outsource that. I need you to give me some kind of pedophore name. Yep, we can do that. <laughs> but again, thank you both for joining me. And uh, yeah, so this episode is second to the last for the year for us. So this will get released a week from this Friday. Today is the 22nd that we're recording. So it'll get released a Friday. After Thanksgiving? Uh, Dece- yeah, uh, December yeah. 4th. And then after that, we'll do a retrospective episode with uh, myself and Grafa, who's been the editor. We will discuss all the episodes that were done this year. We'll kind of go over which ones were our favorites, which ones did we not like, which ones do we think need more discussion, and all of that. And then I think we're taking January off for us to decide where we go from here. Do we continue? Do we change format? What do we do? So. It'll be interesting to see, but I thank everyone for listening and I hope uh, you had a great Thanksgiving and I look forward to, to the next episode and kind of doing that wrap up for the year. And once again, thank you Oz and Cookie for joining. Thanks for having me. Yes. Thank you for having us on.